Well, it was early Sunday morning. Mary Magdalene and the other women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb to wash and wrap Jesus' body. When they arrived, they discovered the stone covering the entrance had been rolled away and Jesus was gone. Two angels appeared, asking them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's risen. Remember, he told you this. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. The women raced back to the house and told everyone that Jesus was alive, but no one believed them. Peter and John, however, went to check it out for themselves. They ran to the tomb with Mary Magdalene following. The men looked inside the cave, and when they saw the grave wrappings laying there, they believed that Jesus was alive. They returned to tell the others, but Mary stayed outside the tomb, crying. She turned and saw Jesus standing there. She didn't recognize him. She thought he was the gardener. She said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him. I'll get him. Mary, Jesus said. Teacher, she responded. Go tell the others I'm alive. She went back with the news. I've seen the Lord. That afternoon, two of Jesus' followers left Jerusalem and began walking to a village known as Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Uh, they had just been through the most terrifying, disappointing, confusing event of their lives. Their beloved rabbi, the one they had put all their hopes in, had been crucified. These two men needed to clear their heads. So they left Jerusalem on the road to a village known as Emmaus. Now we still don't know exactly where Emmaus was. There are two or three possible excavations. We don't know where it was, but we do know what it was, at least to these men. It was an escape. It was anywhere but Jerusalem, a city that had become too painful for these two disciples to stay. Maybe getting a few miles away from Calvary would numb their sorrows. As they walked, they shared their deep disappointment and grief. At some point, a stranger joined them. It was Jesus. But uh, as Luke tells us, they were kept from recognizing him. Now, we don't know why they didn't recognize him. Uh, the same thing had happened to Mary Magdalene earlier that same day when she encountered Jesus. She thought he was the gardener. Why didn't they recognize him? Did the resurrected Lord look different? Maybe they didn't even take a good look at him. Maybe their eyes were downcast. Or maybe one of them glanced at him and said, man, this guy looks a lot like Jesus, but it can't be Jesus. Maybe their intense grief blinded them. Like when we are mired in deep disappointment or sadness or, or confusion and we don't realize that Jesus is right there with us. The stranger speaks up. What are you guys talking about? They stopped. They, they just stood there looking at the ground. Finally, one of them spoke. His name was Cleopas, by the way. He was the father of one of Jesus' disciples, the one known as James the Younger. Cleopas' wife was close friends with Mary Magdalene. She'd been at the cross on Friday. She was one of the women who went to the tomb early Sunday morning. What are you guys talking about? Jesus asked. Cleopas responded, you haven't heard what happened? 
What happened? Should Christ ask. Jesus. He was a powerful, miracle-working prophet. Our chief priest handed him over to the governor who crucified him. We had hoped that, 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 that he was going to re redeem Israel. Then this morning, some of the women, including my own wife, shocked us with the news that the tomb was empty. They claimed they had spoken to angels who said that the Lord Jesus was alive. Later, one of our women, Mary Magdalene, said she spoke to Jesus. You know, every, every Jewish person of that day longed for Messiah to come, to deliver them from Roman rule. The prophets had promised a rescue. Jesus' followers had thought that he was this promised one. We had hoped he was the one, they said. But now their hope was shattered. All the signs had led them to believe that Jesus was the one. He was an amazing rabbi, but more than a rabbi. He was a prophet, but more than a prophet. He worked miracles. Demons fled in his presence. He even raised the dead. They'd come to believe that not only was he Messiah, he was also the son of the Most High God. So they left everything to follow him. But apparently he wasn't who they thought he was. Rome had crucified him. And as theologian N.T. Wright writes, uh, crucifixion is what happens to people who think they're gonna uh, liberate Israel and find out too late that they were mistaken. When Jesus died, their hope died with him on that cross. Their hope was buried in a borrowed tomb. How could they have possibly been so wrong? Unlike the others that stayed back in the city believing Jesus was alive, these two just walked away. Uh, they didn't believe what their friends had said that they had seen. The stranger spoke. How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Well, I hope Jesus never says that of me. How foolish you are, Steve. How slow of heart you are to believe. I want to be quick to believe. But the Lord does rebuke these guys. Uh, but on the other hand, he doesn't scold them and then abandon them. Making this story one of, the, uh, one of the, the, the stories that highlights some of the things I love about Jesus. I absolutely love these things. First of all, uh, these two refuse to believe the women or Peter or John. Cleopas didn't believe his own wife. Then they did the worst thing to do when your faith has failed you. They didn't stay with their group. They walked away from fellowship. They walked away from eyewitnesses to Christ's resurrection. They isolated themselves from their community. But Jesus, Jesus goes out to get them. And that's what he always does. Earlier uh, in a story, he had described himself as a good shepherd who leaves the 99 to go and find the one. You know, thank God for Jesus, even now, so many of us isolated ourselves from Christian community this past two years. The pandemic made us uh, fearful of, of, lead, uh, uh, of fellowship. Maybe that's you. Maybe you are just now coming out of your two-year hibernation. Uh, good for you. Come back, come home. You need fellowship. You know, another thing I love about Jesus is uh, just how he approaches these two wandering sheep who are walking in the wrong direction. But when he catches up with them on the road, he doesn't blurt out, hey guys, it's me, Jesus, I'm alive. 
Now, he lets it play out. Uh, he just asks him a question. What are you talking about? You know, we Christians say that Jesus is the answer, but he also asks a lot of amazing questions. God has always been known for this, known as much for his questions as for his answers. The very first time we hear God's voice in the Garden of Eden, book of Genesis, he's asking Adam and Eve questions. Where are you? Why are you hiding from me? Who have you been talking to? Did you eat of the fruit? Later, he asked their son Cain, why are you so angry? Where's your brother? And now with these two men on the Emmaus Road, what are you talking about? And then when they answer, Jesus responds by telling the God story from the very beginning. He takes his time going all the way back to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, through the Old Testament prophecies, the Psalms, predicting a suffering savior, an offspring of Eve who would crush the serpent's head. On a walk they would remember for, for the rest of their lives, Jesus led them in the most amazing Bible story, walking them through familiar passages of scriptures and correcting their misconceptions about Messiah, including how he had to suffer in order to save them. You know, the problem with these guys was not their Bible knowledge. They knew scripture. The problem was their interpretation of scripture. They had bought into a false narrative one laced with wishful thinking regarding a political Messiah, a conqueror, not a suffering savior, not a king that would be a servant. So, the resurrected son of the Most High God hunts them down and then takes the entire afternoon on the day that he's defeated death to explain the whole thing to two guys. I love that. It was as if these two men were the only men on the planet. It was as if Jesus had died and rose from the dead for just these two men. It was as if they were worth it. And he invested that time in them, explaining how the entire Bible had been pointing to him all along, including how his suffering, even his death, was not a defeat, but a victory. You know, these men didn't recognize Jesus because in their minds, Jesus was dead and buried. And with that, we come to the heart of the problem for so many people. When our presumptions about God blind us to seeing him for who he really is. When Jesus himself is walking beside us, even speaking to us, but we don't recognize him. You know, you can be in the presence of God and not even know it. On Friday, that had happened to the high priest who accused the Son of God of blasphemy. It happened to Herod and to Pilate who had no idea who they were talking to. Now it's happening to these two men on the Emmaus Road. I wonder if it's possible if this same thing has happened to you, where life has taken a terrible turn, so you assume Jesus is nowhere near. In reality, he's right there with you. You can even be talking with him and not be aware that you are already in a conversation that God has started with you. Your disappointment, your grief, your shattered expectations have blinded you to the truth that Jesus is right now walking with you. Well, back to the story. Luke tells us in verse 28, they approached the village and Jesus acted like he was going further, but they urged him, stay with us. The sun will be setting soon. So he stayed. 
At the dinner table, even though he was their guest, he assumed the role of host, taking bread, giving thanks, and passing it to them. And in that moment, their eyes were opened and they fully recognized him. Crazy, I mean, they didn't recognize him when he spoke to them on the road, even though these men had heard his voice many times before. They didn't recognize him when he explained scripture, even though they had enjoyed countless hours of his unique and amazing teaching. But they did recognize him when he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them. Something about what Jesus was doing at the table told them, this is the Lord Jesus. I mean, think about it. Mary Magdalene didn't recognize Jesus until he said her name. John and Peter only believed after they saw the grave clothes folded in a way that Jesus would have folded them. Each person had a visceral experience that sparked their faith. I wonder if you've had moments like that. Moments where your faith was lagging or, or completely shattered. Something terrible has happened or maybe you hadn't felt God's presence for a long time, but then something happened, something you remember to this day, a moment when you knew Jesus was right there. I've had moments like that. I was reflecting on one just this morning. Uh, it was when my son Kevin was five years old. I met Brynn and Kevin at the doctor's office where uh, he diagnosed our son with a degenerative hip disease. Ugh. He showed us pictures of little boys in leather and metal leg braces worn for years as the child's hip was dissolving. Some of the pictures showed kids in full body casts where they lay immobilized for months at a time. Apparently, our active, athletically talented son was going to be facing years of a painful childhood on the sidelines. I held my emotions in check until I was driving home alone in a torrential rainstorm. Then I broke. I was crying so hard I couldn't drive, so I pulled over to the shoulder on 580. I sat there alone in my car, sobbing, grieving, with afternoon traffic racing by. I had my head in my hands when someone knocked on the window. It was one of my friends, a fellow pastor named Paul. He'd been driving the other direction, and somehow, through eight lanes of rush hour traffic and a driving rainstorm, he recognized my car, turned around to the next exit, and came back. He got in the car, and soon I was pouring up my heart to him about my precious son. Paul reached over and grabbed my hand and began to pray. And in that moment, the presence of God filled our car. My faith sparked. Jesus was there, calling my name, calling my son Kevin's name. Jesus was alive, he was present, and he was able to heal. Well, as it turned out, Kevin never wore those ugly braces. He was never confined to a cast. He took it easy for a while, and then when his hip was strong enough, he played ball. And we watched Kevin and Jesus draw close to each other. I never drive east on I-580 without glancing at that spot when Jesus showed up in a rainstorm. My heart always sparks when I pass that spot. I wonder if you have a spot like that. Where were you when Jesus first called your name?
when he broke the bread and, and you knew it was him. What a wonderful thing to reflect on. All right, back to Emmaus where Cleopas and his buddy realized exactly who they had been with all afternoon. It's the Lord, they thought. And then Jesus vanished. And then after he vanished into thin air, it all made sense to them. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? You know, it's said that we don't learn as much from our experiences as we learn from reflecting on our experiences. It was only in reflection that they realized that their hearts were burning as this stranger was explaining scripture to them. While he was still a stranger to them, they were already feeling something. Their hearts were burning. You know, N.T. Wright um, compares these two disciples on the road to Emmaus to people who have gotten up early to watch the sunrise but are looking to the west instead of looking east. They're watching eagerly for the sunrise, but they're facing the wrong way. Then they become aware that though the sky in front of them remains dark, light seems to be shining from behind them. They turn around to see the sun shining in full strength. That's what Jesus has to do with us sometimes. Uh, we're looking in the wrong direction. We're walking in the wrong direction. So he turns us around. Thank God for our patient friend Jesus who comes to find us when we stray and then reveals to us what was there all along. Hmm. Back to the story. Uh, when Jesus vanished, they jump up and headed back to Jerusalem, running seven miles as darkness sets in. They find their friends and tell them, it's true, the Lord has risen. <laughs> Mary Magdalene kind of rolled her eyes and smiled. Uh, Peter and John clapped them on the back. Cleopas' wife was glad her husband had come around after not believing her and walking 14 miles. Uh, the two men told the whole group about their conversation with Jesus and how they finally recognized him when he broke the bread. And in that moment, Jesus appeared to all of them. He was there in the room. Peace be with you, he said. <laughs> Some of them thought he was a ghost. Uh, he, he showed them the, 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 his wounded hands, his feet. They touched him. Some of them still doubted if it was true, so they gave him some fish to eat. Apparently, ghosts don't eat fish. This is what I told you while I was still with you, he said. Everyone must be everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the Torah, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scripture. Jesus is so good at asking questions, gave them all the answers they needed. You know, Jesus is still asking people good questions. I wonder what he's asking you today. For some, it might be, what are you thinking about? What are you talking about? Why are you sad? Maybe uh, the last two years have eroded your faith, and Jesus is here asking, do you still believe in me? Maybe he's just calling your name to reassure you that he still knows your name. He's found you today. You walked away, but he left the 99 in order to find you and bring you back home. And that's what we celebrate today. Jesus has brought us home. The Son of God came from heaven to earth to live, to die, and to live again. He lived a sinless life and died a sacrificial death. Then he rose again on the third day, defeating death on our behalf. 
wants to be with us. He's calling our names. And when he speaks, our hearts burn within us. Father, I pray for this congregation, a beautiful flock that you've compared to sheep. All of us are, are your sheep. Some of us have gone astray and turned our own way, but Lord, you are reaching out to all of us today and drawing us in. Some of us, you're drawing us back in after a long time. You're saying, come home. We're walking the wrong direction away from you and you've found us and you brought us back. Jesus, we recognize your presence among us. I feel it even now as I speak. And I pray that we would hear you today as you speak our name and our faith would be sparked and our hearts would burn within us. And we pray these things in the name of the resurrected Son of the Most High God, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Wait, wait, before you go, three things. First, please consider becoming one of Cornerstone Fellowship's financial partners. Your donations will ensure that you'll be able to continue enjoying helpful, hopefully life-changing messages like the one you just watched. And number two, please share the link to this message with anyone who you know needs it or will be blessed by it or post the link to your own personal social platforms. And finally, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you'll be alerted whenever we post more content. Thanks for watching.